0: Welcome to the next podcast from Milliner Info. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie, and thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. In this series, we get to welcome milliners from across the globe into your ears and studio. In this episode, we hear from Andrea Canaro, who is the designer and milliner behind the label Somewhere Here. Andrea won the Millinery Australia Design Award in 2023, but I'll let her tell you more about this piece later in the podcast. Thank you to our wonderful podcast sponsors for their support of this series Hatlocks Australia, Louise McDonald Milliner, House of Adorn, The Hat Magazine, Hatters Millinery Supplies, Lifted Millinery, Be Unique Millinery, Judith M Millinery Supply House, Hats by Lego, Hat Academy, and Millinery Australia. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes. That's either in the podcast app or through our website. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast series. I absolutely love bringing you these conversations with our industry leaders. I hope you find them inspiring and that you might pick up something for your own business or for your millinery skills. This is the case. I'd like to invite you to become a Patreon supporter. There's a tier that's just $5 a month. It's called a little thank you to millinery info, which helps me to keep making this podcast and bringing you what I think is great content. And I hope you agree. Head over to patreon.com forward slash millineryinfo to sign up or to find out more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast, Andrea. It's fantastic to have you as part of the podcast series. We're going to start with your latest award-winning hat from the Millinery Australia Design Award this year. Congratulations on the win. And could you tell us a little bit about the piece?
1: Thank you. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Um, So my piece, obviously the theme for the award was ruffled. And um, so I wanted to focus on ruffles as they are. There's all, all sorts of different interpretations of it. But I thought, what is a ruffle from the sense of fashion. So I looked back um, through some historical references of Ruffles and remembered a piece that I had done in collaboration with a girlfriend of mine, Carla Spedick, um, who's an Australian designer and thought, well, I could do something with that, uh, that sort of focused on historical and cultural headpieces and did a bit of research around uh, sort of the 1600s and Ruffles headpieces. What did they look like and what could I do and came up with something. I wanted it a little bit more elevated than what I had done previously uh, and came up with the idea to add in some tambour beading uh, because that's so quick to produce and uh, created a piece that I was yeah, really proud of and I thought was a really good representation of my skills and my, my training and things like that as
0: well. How exciting and it had such gorgeous elements to it. Is the beading element because that was quite a hero of it in the contrasting red? Is that some skills you've used before, or were you learning that first that skill for just this piece?
1: No, I had done um, some training in tambour beading with Karen Teresi a few years ago. So I started my, I guess, fashion uh, creative career when I was 17 working for a local bridal designer in Sydney called Balani by Nikki. And so I always had a love of glamorous evening wear, I guess, and, you know, learnt some really great skills with her, with lace work and beading. And then we had uh, worked with Karen when she used to live in Australia and then she moved overseas to the UK uh, to explore her career as a beater and embroiderer over there. So she works for a lot of the uh, collections in Paris um, for the couture collections and had come back to do some training up in uh, Brisbane at one of the the conventions up there. So Nikki and I went up and did a two-day workshop with her and then I went on to do Uh, That was the beginner level. And then I went on to do the level one and level two with her as well when she was out in Sydney and um, picked up a few skills of how to attach the beads and things like that and just really enjoyed the process. It's when you start learning Tambor because you're using a hook and not a traditional needle, it can be quite frustrating and there's lots of holes that you put into the fabric. Uh, Strategically use organza so that you can see what your hands are doing underneath because they're feeding the the bead up and and hooking the thread around the hook and then you've got to twist and pull up um, through the fabric to create a chain stitch but I find it's quite a meditative kind of a process in a weird way so it's um, it was a little bit of my mental therapy I think working on it but um, I yeah I just enjoyed sort of being in the zone of it and and getting through with the design that I came up with as well.
0: Do you know what it was going to look like when you began? I
1: did. I had, I did have a sketch of this one. Often I don't do sketches as part of my process. I kind of research and gather all the images and then have an idea in my head. Uh, But I had actually sketched something this time. Um, So, but it was all in different components. So I had to block the base of it. And then once that was done, then I had the, like the rough ruffles, I guess, Uh, that were created. And then I had the piece of organza on the frame while I was doing the embroidery. So it was sort of happening in three different stages. And I was just hoping that it all came together uh, the way that I wanted and worked together. So thankfully it did, because you can't take the embroidery off to check it until it's finished, because it all has to be stretched Tambor means like the drum, so it has to be stretched as tight as a drum. Um, and so once you take it off, it's kind of, it is what it is. So there was no process really of checking it until it was ready to go. Uh, but yeah, I managed to pull it all together and it it did come out as as I had envisaged, thank goodness, because it was la- mm-hmm. right up towards the deadline and I didn't have a backup plan. So. <laughs>
0: Of course not. We we rarely do in those scenarios, but that must be no. such a such a skill because the, the block thing was would have been dimensional and the fabric would have been a flat surface. There's there's lots of variables to come together in that.
1: Yeah. And I worked with uh Cineme on the block. So I, I have had a bit of a love-hate relationship with cinema. I remember when I first started working with it. I love the the capabilities of it but I think I'm drawn to cinema because of my background with fashion and working with fabric it's very similar in that way um, and the way you can manipulate it a little, obviously a bit different to to fabric because you can create more more shape with it um, but the way that the bias works using grains and things like that so that all was kind of part of the whole concept as well and a lot about yeah manipulating fabric and embellishing
0: for this one. And back to the beginning you have a very long-standing career in the fashion industry alone but if we just go to your millinery career when did you first begin in this part of the industry?
1: I am relatively new to millinery so I started in I think it was 2019 so I had Um, come back to work I had my son in 2017 and I went back to work mid 2018 uh, and we had um, a few staff movements and we had another head teacher come and join us in 2019 who worked at the design centre at Enmore. So I'm um, I'm head teacher for fashion design studio at um, TAFE New South Wales in Ultimo. So we're within the same skills team, um, but on different campuses. And we were just talking about, I don't know, our backgrounds and what we had done with work and and costume and things like that. And I'd mentioned something about always wanting to learn millinery. It was something I always wanted to do, but just had never done. And um, she mentioned that they were running short courses over at Enmore uh, with a fabulous teacher who's uh, Penny Gervais. And um, so they were doing these evening short courses and she said, I'm thinking of doing it next term. And I said, Oh, well, I'll do that with you as well. So I enrolled into a short course and I think we got one done, must've been term four in 2019, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but I think it was just the term four. And then I started a second one at the beginning of 2020 and that one obviously got interrupted then, um, with the lockdown, but, uh, yeah, I sort of was then able to go on and do some, some a lot of the training sort of flipped and pivoted to online training and things like that. I joined the Millinery Association at that point as well, because I'd won MIMSI in 2020 and, um, and won a membership to the Millinery Association. And yeah, I wouldn't, I think, I don't think I would have had the courage to join quite so soon had that not happened. So it all sort of worked out. Um, quite nicely for me, I
0: guess. <laughs> but you're a very skilled maker before that, so I guess the transfer of skills was you know new materials, but your your making and your knowledge of textiles and fashion is quite quite deep, and you've got a vast experience before you came to millinery. What's been some of the fun things you've got to do in your career before that point?
1: Yeah. So I think one thing I always say to our students here is, you know, like you go and do some training and you get taught a set of skills and then it's sort of the world is your, you know, your oyster and it depends what you do with those skills and how you use them. So I've got uh, training in fashion design and, um, and have worked in the industry in both uh, sort of production and design uh, and after sort of having my own small label for a little while and deciding I didn't want to be financially struggling that much, um, I sort of gave that up and fell into doing some costume design and styling, working in advertising and in the music industry. So the first uh, job that I worked on was a music video for Sneaky Sound System for Kansas City. So I was originally just um, dressing the... Uh, sort of marionette puppets that were the replicas of the members of the band of um, Damon, Angus and Connie and then that progressed into dressing the band for it as well and doing a two-day shoot for that and, um, and then I sort of met through contacts uh, that I had from there. A girlfriend of mine that was executive producing introduced me to Josh Logue who had just Uh, done a music video for Empire of the Sun and it was their first single for um, Walking on a Dream and I remember when I looked it up because I I was like I don't know who Empire of the Sun is I'm the person who all these amazing music opportunities were wasted on because I don't know the names of all the artists and things like that but I remember when I uh, looked it up on YouTube I remember hearing the song when I was driving in the car one day on the radio and I actually pulled the car over to type the name of it into my phone so that I would remember um, that song. And the, the video was so bright and colourful, I really wanted to be involved in that project. So I. Uh, paid for my own ticket to fly to mexico and we shot uh for about three or four days uh in mexico at the end of october in 2008 uh we were over there in a little town in the north of mexico for like the day of the dead festival which was really cool and there were some amazing locations that we went to and i had no idea what i was doing um and i was completely exhausted and it felt very rogue and very out of my depth but uh the good thing was I think I was so tired I just didn't have the energy to overthink it and really ran with it and we created this amazing uh, music video and then I went on to, um, to work with them as their costume designer and stylist for five years after that. So I got to make all the costumes for the band, for the dancers, travel around doing all the live shows, And had some really, really incredible experiences and opportunities um, through that. I just wish I had my millinery skills back then um, because, as a milliner now, you could have
0: got on their (laughs) heads. I know.
1: I imagine what I made. I I was very creative with what I made the hats out of. And thankfully, they were sort of stage costumes and um, nothing that was being interrogated as millinery is for the design award, because um, I would not have won anything with with my skills back then. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was a really incredible project to work on.
0: Cool. And along the journey there, you've also joined uh, the TAFE hey, in Sydney, as you mentioned, how did that come about?
1: So, I actually did my training at TAFE and I did a two-year diploma in apparel manufacturing, it was called back then. Uh, Then went and worked in the industry for Lisa Ho for 12 months and then came back to study fashion design. So, I was a student where I work now and um, after graduating and working, uh, starting my own label, they called me back to come in and do some part-time teaching. So, I started off just part-time teaching, uh, one night class and it sort of just built from there Um, and that sort of happened at the same time as the, I then stopped uh, my, my label was just teaching, moved into the styling part of things and then I think in 2009 I started full-time teaching. So I was very much juggling the whole travelling around. Empire of the Sun had started touring internationally in 2010. So it was sort of quite a juggle of work here and um, and then the industry work as well. Uh, but it's something, you know, I feel very proud to work here. We're one of the top fashion schools in Australia and we've got an international reputation. And, you know, I loved, absolutely loved being a student here um, and the industry connections we have. I studied with uh, Romance Was Born. We're in my year and Dion Lee is one of our graduates. So we've got a really strong alumni and um, and a sort of have been the backbone of the Australian fashion industry in Sydney Um a lot too and you know really proud of what we do here and how we give people an opportunity to realize their creative dreams i guess as well so yeah mm-hmm. a little bit part of the furniture here i've been here for quite a while now so <laughs>
0: I and mean, then you just dove into millinery as well.
1: And then I thought, well, I'm not doing much else. I've only got young children, a full-time job, and, you know, I want to do this little side hustle. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I I sort of had the opportunity to always wanted to get back into a creative outlet after I stopped touring. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's a bit hard to juggle it all with with kids. I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old, so that gets a bit challenging at times. Um, but it's something that I get to do for myself. So with my job and home, you sort of feel like you're running around and, and serving other people all the time. So to have some time to sit and do so- something creative for myself really does a lot uh, for, I guess, my mental health as well as um, all those personal things that you get out of it.
0: Amazing. And you kind of dove into, I guess I say the scene, that's not quite the right term, but the industry with your um, piece that you created for Mimsy, And we'll include a photo of that with when um, we launched the podcast. But for those who might have not heard about that piece, could you tell us about what the theme was and what you created for it, if you can... Take your mind back. <laughs> yes
1: so I was a very last minute entry into that um, because I had just had Harper my now three almost four year old and um, and I remember having when I started millinery sort of following the different competitions and, um, and groups and things like that and I remember seeing MIMSI and then I saw I think the theme that year was from waste to wow and I thought oh that'd be good to enter and and then I thought, oh, I don't have time to do that. And then, I don't know, I ca- kind of came up with an idea of doing some up, like upcycling an old hat. Um, I have so many things. We always talk about the stash of supplies yes. that we've collected, not hoarded, but collected over the many yes. years. And mine come from the fashion background, the costume background. Now there's a whole millinery collection as well. <laughs> um, so I thought, I came up with an idea, and I think it was two weeks before the due date. And I thought, oh, I was on maternity leave, and I thought, oh, yeah, I think I can get that done. So I just went for it. And being new to millinery, I sort of thought, oh, I'll enter, and I'll. It'll be interesting to see how I stuck up against, um, against everyone else. And never in my wildest dreams did I ever expect to win that competition. <laughs> so I remember, um, I wasn't able to be down in Melbourne because I had a twelve week old baby and a two and a half year old and my partner was overseas in the u s for twelve days and so i and I remember when I saw that I had won, I messaged my family, I'm like, oh my God, I won and they said, "What did you win?" I said, I have no idea, but I just i just I won <laughs> like it was yeah, it was very exciting i I couldn't believe it so um but yeah i used an upcycled uh felt hat i think i had uh some old jewelry pieces that were kind of made out of um like these gold or well, not real gold obviously but um bought, like huge bobby pins and um and created this other piece i wanted to add some texture in there as well and so used some fly screen um that we had around the house and then some you know uh, cable ties as well. So, you know, I think the millinery wire and, and a bit of Petersham ribbon um, was sort of the new things, and everything else um, was already existing. So, yeah, it was a, a, piece. a cool piece.
0: Yeah, very nice. Yeah. And you speak about your stash. We've all got a stash of some variety in some scale. Some bigger than others, not confessing that. Where does your stash live? Where's your workroom?
1: Oh, well, as my partner would say, my stash lives all over our house. Um, so I had a I used to have a workroom when I had my label and was a student and doing costume. I worked out of my grandmother's garage. And when she passed away, I had to move a lot of most of it into storage because I only had a one bedroom apartment. And um then When we had Sam, we moved into uh, a house. And so the storage stuff got put into a little shed out the back, which is now in the garage. Um, But there's, I also do have a room, um, which is supposed to be my millinery room, but there's, the stash has kind of become a little bit overwhelming in there. So my studio is now in my wardrobe slash COVID home office upstairs and the stash is downstairs so but there's um yeah my partner thinks that our house is a little bit like a hat museum with hat blocks and stands and things like that in almost every room um but you know it's just a creative space so (laughs) so yeah but definitely I'm a home studio um, person. It's I'd love to have an outside studio, but at the moment I think the other thing that worked for me with getting into millinery with the kids was constantly being interrupted by young children. Millinery is something that you can do a little bit here and a little bit there and then eventually a few weeks later you get a hat made. Um, I am a bit faster than that now. But, um, but yeah, it was something that I was able to manage Um while being at home with the kids as well. So the dream is to eventually have my own space um, when the kids don't have to be there with me, um, but not not quite up to that yet. Not quite yet.
0: And do you develop a collection each year or how has your making process been recently?
1: Yeah, I, I try to do a collection. It sort of happens more for spring um, and is more of a capsule collection for me. I guess the time time always gets away from the ideas so the you know the process the creative process of coming up with the concepts is always there and all the ideas and then I find that I don't even get through making half of those Um, but thankfully it's sort of interrupted with some collaborations with different stylists and things like that um, which I really enjoy I really enjoy collaborating with other creatives. So um, I find that process also inspires me and then will send me off on another little tangent. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a little bit looser, I guess, than, um, than having a whole collection, but um, yeah, it's, it kind of works for me at the moment. So it's, it's often, there's a piece that's made and then it kind of spurs on a few other sort of variations of things, or I see something I get inspired. Obviously I'm, I look at fashion and trends and things like that every day for work. So um, I'm inspired a lot by clothing and fashion. So I find that the ideas I'm always thinking, how can I interpret that into a hat or how would that work might be colors, a color palette that I get inspired by or some, you know, some imagery that's not fashion related Uh, as well. So, yeah, it kind of comes from all different places, I guess.
0: Cool. And those collaborations you mentioned, are they something that you've been knowing how much much they stimulate your creative side? Are they something that you really actively pursue or it's just been time in the industry that it's falling to you quite naturally?
1: Yeah, I think it's been the time there, you know, there is an aspect of sort of putting yourself out there. So making, letting people know what you do, and um, and where you are but then yeah for me I guess I'm around stylists a lot Uh, you know I'm sort of involved in fashion events through work and things like that too so it has I guess come quite naturally or evolved uh, quite smoothly for me um, based on what I've done and the back you know the background of my work prior to getting into millinery as well. And, you know, industry connections that I've had there mm-hmm, too. Yes. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And how did you, when you first found, came to cinema, you spoke about the bias of cinema before we have some unusual materials, which we use that are kind of ex- I say exclusive to the industry, probably. How yeah. have you found finding a whole range of new materials and your yeah, fingers and working with them?
1: Well, there's a whole new collection going on in my house now. So, you know, I think the again it's it's the time is I remember someone asked me sort of what's your biggest challenge with millinery. And for me, it's the time. So, you know, to see the materials and I'm the, you know, the collection comes from when you go, Oh my God, I would love to make something with that. And you buy that and you don't have the time to make something with that (laughs) or, you know, or I'm the one that goes, Oh, I don't want to waste that on that. I'll get that for that. And then I'll get another one so that, you know, I, so I have two of things. Yes, in case I stuff that up, I want to still have that because that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, there's there they are new materials. It's um it's interesting for one of the hat my one of my hat timber entries for the wearable art. I actually used the felt hood that we got um, to block a bodice so it's sort of merged I guess the fashion and the millinery there again as well and it's interesting to see how the materials that are traditionally millinery materials can come and play into fashion um, as well so I think we've got one of um, our final year students this year using millinery wire to create some sort of like caged um, pieces that are really sculptural and things like that. So the techniques I think really do cross over Um, but I have never used Buntle straw in fashion. Um, So (laughs) they definitely are more exclusive to some materials that are really exclusive to millinery and it's been really exciting to explore and I don't think I fully explored them all yet. Um, but I look forward to to doing that mm-hmm. again when there's more time to to play sorry, with things.
0: Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned the hat timber. You are quite the I say competition entrant. What do you love so much about the challenge of a competition? Um
1: I've slow I when the first couple of years I really did enter a lot of competitions. Um now I because I'm sort of working on collections and the business has built more, I don't do as much competition work. But I think what's really great about competitions is that they give you the opportunity to have a starting point for something. So whether it's with Hat Timber and you get given, you know, the curated materials and you have to come up with an idea about that, or there's a theme um, and a prompt for that. I love also sort of being involved with fellow milliners as well and, um, everyone kind of working on their own ideas. I love seeing the different interpretations of a theme and, and hearing about what the concepts are behind the hats, I think gives you a better understanding of the hats that are produced as well and a better um, appreciation for the work. But I think the, the opportunity to collaborate even with your peers within the industry, um, with competition work, and you always do something that kind of pushes beyond what your skills are. So it's an opportunity to challenge yourself and there's a deadline on it. So you have to get it done by a certain point in time (laughs) that's being set by somebody else as well. Um, But yeah, it's that opportunity to be challenged and then to have your work showcased as well. And the platforms that uh, some of these competitions have helps you to broaden your reach, I guess, um, with your brand as well. And I think that's really beneficial um, to building your business too.
0: There's something about an external deadline that really gets the creative juices flowing, isn't there?
1: <laughs> it is. It's the um, that procrastination. My procrastination, creative process of second guessing myself continuously, um, even when you've got the idea. And through the millinery award piece, I, the design award piece, I did second guess myself through that as well. So, um, but I stuck back through. through Back to the concept that I initially had, um, which was, I think, why it turned out um, as strong as it did. But, um, yeah, when there's that deadline and you can procrastinate around and you've got all the time and then when there's no time, you just have to make those decisions and the ability to make those quick decisions then is quite astounding when you've been not able to do that for the three weeks leading up to it so you know but I think it's very common for a lot of creatives to be in that process and those outside the creative process are like why are you always doing everything last minute and staying up you know for three days the night before it's just it is what it is it's when I do my best work so <laughs> yeah
0: blessing for the curse
1: yes definitely
0: And would have been some Career highlights so far for you?
1: For uh, just for millinery or broader?
0: Uh, we can take a mixture. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I think for millinery, the winning the design award, definitely a career highlight, and winning MIMSI as well, because I think that really sort of launched me, gave me the confidence that, yes, this is something you could really do something with um, and gave me the confidence to sort of pursue a business in millinery. Uh, Obviously, my work with Empire of the Sun um, and we played a lot of really cool music festivals and um, I've had my work on, you know, different international TV shows and the Ari Awards and things like that. So that was a huge career and life highlight for me. Um, When I had my label, I showed my collection at Australian Fashion Week. So that was pretty amazing as well. Um, But there's still, with millinery, there's still a lot more, I I guess, I want to achieve and and places I want to go with that. So what's been nice about having the different sort of areas of my career, I guess, is that each one has its own set of opportunities. um, And it's really inspiring to have this new sort of part of my career that, You know, there's a whole other avenue um, to go down now as well.
0: And being in the teaching mentoring space, it's a bit of a cliche question, but do you have any tips or um, guidance you like to give to those that are thinking about entering the creative industry or fashion industry?
1: Yeah, I think you you have to be prepared to work really hard to have sleepless nights. It is a reality of your work in the industry. Um, I think, you know, the skill is to learn to be able to put yourself out there and put your work out there. Uh, and the, you know, you never stop learning. I, I think you never stop learning. When I started teaching, I think I became a stronger designer because I learn from the students' creative process, I always say I'm very lucky that I get to, you know, go to work every day and be surrounded by, you know, 100 creative people. It can be quite interesting at times, um, but you're always around that creative energy and not many people get to do that. Uh, and you get, you know, in life or in the opportunity to learn creatively, you you do get taught a set of skills. And then I think it's about looking at at that as a set of skills and then looking at how you can apply it to where you want to go and be open to opportunities because you never know where an opportunity might take you you know I think I've I've been fortunate but I've been in the right place at the right time but then I worked my ass off um if I can say that to okay. um yes to <laughs> to certainly get... have <laughs> To, to make the most of those opportunities and more opportunities came because of the work that I did. So there, there is a part of it that is about a little bit about who you know in terms of having those doors open for you, but it's about what you do once you step into that room and, um, and how you show what you do that really allows another door to open and, you know, and I guess the adventure to continue as
0: well. So true. And what's a project you're working on that you're looking forward to sharing or what's coming up for you? At the
1: moment, I'm currently working on my VRC piece. So I often, when I enter competitions, I'm a little bit quiet about it because I think, oh, I don't know, I've, I've in the past, been a bit self-conscious so that you go, I don't want to say that I'm entering that in case I don't do so well with it. And I just won't show it. Um, but I kind of I feel like i am not
0: to post it in the <laughs> it, what, yeah. the, word, the world. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but I think I've sort of moved beyond that personal barrier for myself. So yes, I am um, working on my mm. piece for the, the Melbourne Cup, the Lillian Frank um, Millinery Award. So um, I'm excited to see what that one looks like because that's one I don't have a sketch of um, but have a concept that's already kind of diverged a little bit into something else um, but yeah challenge, again sort of keeping true to some of the I guess some of my signature skills in there but then seeing how else I can push that a little bit as well.
0: That's so exciting well we can't wait to see what you create you've Wow, us with each of your competition entries in a different way so far so it'll be very cool to see what I comes mean, out no time. pressure
1: now is there so no pressure, sorry. <laughs> just put it out there to the world
0: <laughs>
1: oh, it has
0: been so fantastic to chat hats with you andrea thank you so much for joining me today
1: thank you so much for having me
0: thank you for joining me for this episode of millinery with andrea a shout out to our wonderful podcast sponsors for their support. Hat Academy, Millinery Australia, Hatters Millinery Supplies, House for Dawn, Judith M. Millinery Supply House, Hats by Lego, Be Unique Millinery, Lifted Millinery, Louise McDonald Milliner, The Hat Magazine, and Hat Blocks Australia. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes. That's either in the podcast app which you're listening through or on our website. If you're interested in becoming a patron of Millinery Info and supporting this series, please head over to www.patreon.com forward slash There's a few ways that you can show your support for this series, and we thank each of you for the opportunity. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Millinery Info. I look forward to talking hats with you again soon.